The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. So if you have a House Republican hearing next year and they're putting out documents, they're putting out wire transfers, they have whistleblower testimony, witness testimony, this thing's too big to keep a lid on. Do you think the media is going to be able to do that? Well, for sure, because, well, they will certainly try and thank heaven for Substack and Rumble and Fox News for being independent enough to tell the truth about what's happening. The last election was influenced by the FBI. If this were happening in another country, in a third world country, the State Department would declare the election illegitimate because it would have been. You can't have law enforcement agencies weighing in in presidential elections, trying to squelch information harmful to one candidate, accentuate information harmful to the other candidate. I mean, that's absolutely an, an election interference. I mean, am I naive? I spent 35 <laughs> years in Washington. I never imagined something like that could happen, but it did. It did, and it's happening right here in the United States. It's in any other country, as he says there, in any other country, our own State Department, America's State Department, would view it as illegitimate. You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to the live stream of this program every day at our website, thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live, and you go to the live stream page. You can watch it every day at 11 a.m. here in the central time zone of the United States. You can also get to all of these shows posted after the fact, uh, at our website, thetrumpet.com, the 800 number to request any literature that we promote on this show. Remember, all the literature is offered without cost or obligation. That's 1-866-930-3024. So if you listen to yesterday's show, right at the end, we reminded you of this document that 51 intelligence officers, high-ranking intel, intel people that work throughout DOJ, CIA, I mean, these, these were people in the know, deep into the deep state. And they, they signed a document basically swearing that, look, this Hunter Biden laptop, the Biden crime family, everything that you're hearing from Donald Trump, it's a lie. In fact, it's Russian propaganda. It has all the, the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. That's what they said. And they signed their names to this document. Oh, yeah. They say the Russians are involved in the Hunter Biden email issue. The, the Russians are involved. This document they signed, it says Russia was trying to influence how Americans vote in this election. Moscow will pull out the stops to do anything possible to help Trump win and or weaken the Biden, uh, weaken Biden should he win. It says here, a laptop operation fits the bill as the publication of the emails are clearly designed to discredit Biden. 
And in fact, as we now know, I mean, uh, this document that all these Intel guys signed, John Brennan, Clapper and them, this Intel, this Intel document, that was designed to discredit Trump and to prevent Trump from being reelected. It was all meant to hurt Donald Trump and to help Joe Biden. And you know what's astounding to me? When all of these intel officers signed this document in October of 2020, do you know who knew that they were lying? That would be William P. Barr. That would be the chief law enforcement officer of the United States at that time. William Barr, heading up the DOJ, he knew, he knew they were all lying. And do you know why? Do you know how he knew? Because he had the laptop. He had, hunt- he had had it for 10 months. So he knew the contents on there were legit. He knew it was Hunter's. He knew it exposed the big guy. He knew, he knew the big guy was getting his 10% cut. And what did he do? Answer, nothing. He did nothing about it. He can come out later and say, well, I didn't want to say anything at that time. I didn't want to meddle in the election. In fact, these 51 intel officers, all of these Obama clones, they meddled in the election. And William Barr, it's almost worse what William Barr did or didn't do because he didn't do anything to correct the misinformation, the disinformation campaign. The FBI was engaged in a disinformation campaign. We now know this because of the Twitter files. That's the big revelation from the Twitter file story and the Jim Baker firing. I'll get to that a little bit later. The FBI was engaged in a a massive disinformation campaign. Mark Zuckerberg admitted it to Joe Rogan. He said, yeah, we we got a call from the FBI. They said, be on the lookout for, uh, you know, a smear on Biden, a a Hunter Biden. It'll revolve around him. It's coming in October. The FBI was coordinating all of this. And here again, who's the chief law enforcement official at that time? That's that's William Barr. Fresh off of covering off, covering up this this Biden crime family scandal that happened in October of 2020. What was it that Bill Barr then said after the election, after the steal? He said there was no fraud. There was no, this was a legitimate election. There certainly wasn't enough fraudulent activity to tip the scales in Trump's favor. That's what he said. So before the election, it's cover up the Biden scandal. After the election, the election was perfect. Let me just ask you, if they were willing to cover up what was on the Biden laptop, do you think they would have been willing to cover up uh, maybe some, some fake ballots or some mule activity or some uh, machine glitches? Barr proves it. He didn't even look into it. He didn't even look into it. He was part or heading up an agency, really, that was responsible for organizing so much of this fraud. I mean, this is serious. This is serious. And you know, as I was telling Sam earlier today, 
You know, what's amazing to me is I watch Tucker and, and Jesse and some of these others now just talking openly about election fraud. And it all goes back to what's being revealed because of Elon Musk buying Twitter. This, this sort of gives them an avenue to, to actually discuss something that they have been unwilling and in some ways un, just not even able to talk about it. You can't even bring up the subject of election fraud. That gets you blotted out. But now, all of a sudden, you've got the most influential talking head on the cable news circuit. That, that would be Tucker Carlson. He's talking openly about illegitimate elections. This is huge. This is uh, from the Wall Street Journal, also on a Fox program. Listen to what this commentator had to say about so many of these revelations. I think it's an exchange, actually, clip two. Uh, Andy McCarthy, uh, our Fox News contributor, wrote this in National Review. The headline is, The Twitter Files Miss the Real Scandal, FBI Interference in the 2020 Election. Also saying that reading between the lines of all available evidence, you can find an organized effort by the Bureau to put its thumb on the scale for the Joe Biden's campaign. And he walks through that. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I think that is the real reform that has to happen. This should be the focus of investigators on the Hill uh, because we can't have the FBI. It's now two elections in a row two. where they have intervened uh, in a very negative way. Um, one, promoting a hoax, and then the second time, suppressing real information. Two elections in a row. They promoted a hoax. I mean, the real, the, the real corrupt meddling happened just after the election in 2016 as they went about trying to destroy the Trump presidency. But they created this hoax. That was FBI created. And then now you have 2020. They suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story. It's just horrendous, these crimes. But as I say, what's worse is that the, the law enforcement officer, the chief law enforcement officer at that time, or at least with respect to the second election, Barr came on board, I think, in 2018. But it was William Barr. He was the one who was supposed to come in and clean up the DOJ and the FBI and, and restore its reputation, which had been so severely damaged in 2016 and all through the Mueller investigation. Remember, he came out of retirement in 2018. He talked about, listen, they're, they're, they think they're, they can divine all of these evil motivations when Donald Trump is just out there carrying out his responsibilities as president. He knew it was a hoax. He knew that Trump was being persecuted and attacked relentlessly. So he comes out of retirement to set the agency straight. He comes out of retirement, and who can forget what he said to Wolf Blitzer in the summer of 2020? Wolf, you, you can't open it up to mass mail-in ballots. That just opens the way for massive amounts of fraud. He was sounding the alarm. What happened? Why didn't he clean up the FBI? Why, how did he go from being one of, his, one of the FBI's biggest critics in, in promising to make changes, to clean it all up, to just totally capitulating to the forces of the communist insurrectionists? So much so that he covered up the Biden crime family laptop and wouldn't even come out and, and say forcibly, emphatically, these 51 intel officers are lying. 
every single this is not Russian disinformation. This did not originate from Moscow. This came from Hunter Biden, and it's pretty bad. The, the, the big guy is, in fact, Joe Biden. We had to hear it from Bob Alinsky. We heard a little bit from uh, the New York Post, Miranda Devine, Tucker at that time. But for the most part, everywhere else, it's blotted out. Only to be revealed, what was it, a year and a half later? 18 months later? Listen to Tucker uh, last night. I think he was, again, this was his conversation with Jesse Waters, clip three. This story is not about some private company deciding what language is safe or permitted and what's not. It's not content moderation. It's censorship being overseen by the U.S. government, which is a crime. It's a violation of the First Amendment. It's, it's the core freedom that we have, the freedom to say what we think is true. That's why this country is different from every other country. Censorship orchestrated by the U.S. government. See, they were, they were able to cover their tracks so long as you had Jack Dorsey and others, although Dorsey didn't even know a lot of what was going on. We know from the Twitter files as well. I forget the name of the gal who was pretty much heading up the censorship operation. But this was all in collusion with the federal government. And that's a crime, as Tucker says. That's a crime. I mean, the, the, the free speech rights, they're embedded right there in the First Amendment. So here's this, this orchestrated effort to blot out, to blot out the truth. We now know it's the truth. I mean, we knew it two years ago. This is damning evidence. These people are being exposed. And the story is so incriminating that, as I say, you've got people that to, to this day really haven't been able to say much of anything about an illegitimate election. Bill Barr saw it all. And what does he say today? This was from an interview not that long ago, clip nine. So he's had his chance. He doesn't, he obviously does not have the qualities necessary to unite the party, which is the first step uh, on the road back. And uh, he should stand aside. You denied him that chance to unite the party. You covered it up so that he wouldn't win. And then after the fact, you didn't investigate all the other forms of fraud. He's had his chance? He's had his chance to unite the Now he's not a uniter. He's a divider. Look at what these people have done. Look at how they've just ripped apart the Constitution. They've ripped it to shreds. They've divided the country. And as I say, in the case of this particular man, it's the most despicable crime, as far as I'm concerned, because he came in to help a president under siege. And then he turned around and stabbed him in the back. He betrayed him. If, if, if Bill Barr is one of the more conservative Republicans out there, coming in to the DOJ, promising to make changes, promising to rid it of its corruption, promising to restore its reputation to what it once was, if he, that quickly surrenders to the forces of evil. What does it say about where we are today in the United States? Well, I'll tell you where we are. 
we're at the point of bitter, bitter affliction, and there's no helper. 2 Kings chapter 14. This is the latest trumpet I've been showing you this week. But again, America under attack. America is under attack. How do you clean this up? How do you, how do you correct these wrongs? How do you get rid of this kind of corruption? He's had his chance. He had his chance to unite the country, but he didn't do it. And now he's to blame for all of these losses, these tight races that weren't funded by Republicans, not like, uh, certainly not like they were on the other side. And then they blame Donald Trump. You know, the, the, the one positive here, as I've said this week, the lid has blown off. I mean, just think about just think about Elon Musk for a moment. It's later on in my notes. Sam did some number crunching earlier today, but just to give you an idea of how remarkable some of these uh, these uh, events are in recent weeks. I mean, Twitter's worth forty-four billion. That's what Elon Musk bought it for, right? Forty-four billion dollars. There are only twenty-four people on Earth who have that much money. Only 24 people have $44 billion. There are only eight people on earth who have twice that much, $88 billion. Only eight people. And Elon Musk is one of them. He comes along, he, he basically gives about half of his fortune, or a fourth or a third at least, to buy Twitter, to buy, as Jack Posobiec calls it, a crime scene. And look at what's happening in just a matter of weeks. And these are unusual events. Why would he even want to buy it? Why would he even want to unload $44 billion on Twitter? Just a social media platform. He comes in and he says, yeah, I just want to make it the town square. I want to be open and honest. I want to be transparent. People are, are having their free speech rights violated. What a turn in events. And then look at what it's exposed. This again is from Tucker yesterday, clip four. And so if you find yourself in a place where the government is censoring political speech, if the ruling party is preventing criticism of itself, which is exactly what's happening, then you know, you're in a crisis and we are. We are in a crisis. This is bitter affliction, bitter affliction, no helper, Listen to clip five. And so this, this, this Jim Baker was, of course, general counsel over at FBI at the very center of the Russiagate hoax and disaster and attack on human rights. It's the guy who, um, who tried to put Mike Flynn in jail uh, for knowing too much. That's not an overstatement. Um, he somehow winds up general counsel at Twitter, and now we find he, he wasn't vetting the files. He was censoring the files, of course, to take out incriminating information about himself and the FBI. See, you see what happens when they're not punished for evil doing. You see what happens when they're not held to account. The, the FBI is exposed. Baker hangs around for as long as he can before he finally then has to move on. Because look, he's part of the resistance. He's fighting against Trump. And anything goes if it takes out the bad orange man. Then instead of resigning in disgrace, he moves over to Twitter. 
And then he becomes sort of the conduit between Twitter, this massive social media company, and the federal government. And then it gets better. Just keep following. Twitter is sold to Elon Musk. He comes in and cleans house. Then he says, I presume with confidence, hey, uh, all of you officials here at the high levels of my company, I own it now. I want to be transparent. I want you to put out the documents that show collusion between Twitter employees, the police at Twitter, and uh, prominent Democrats and others. And last weekend we learned that there were a few hang-ups. Why didn't it go out the way that Musk wanted it to? Well, because of guys like Jim Baker. He's a deep state operative. He's a radical leftist activist attorney. He worked for Jim Comey's FBI. He orchestrated in many ways the Russia, the Russia collusion hoax. He tried to destroy the Trump presidency. Then he moves over to Twitter and he orchestrates this censorship campaign in collusion with agents still working deep in the deep state. And then Musk has to fire him. This is how we learned of this the last day or two. Jack Dorsey, he's the, the previous CEO of Twitter, and he tweeted to Elon Musk the other day. He said, if the goal is transparency to build trust, why not just release everything without filter and let people judge for themselves, including all discussions around current and future actions? Make everything public now. So now he's, he's a, a backseat driver. He no longer con has any control there. And he's telling Elon Musk, hey, you should reveal everything. He should have done that when he was there. But leave that aside. But this is how Musk replied. Most important data was hidden from you too, Dorsey. Most important data was hidden. And some may have been deleted. But everything we find will be released. So last weekend, he says to the higher ups at Twitter, Musk that is, look, I want uh, Matt Taibbi, I want, I want Barry Weiss to reveal the truth. We want to be a transparent organization. We want it to be an open and free platform where we, we really do uphold the standards of the First Amendment. But he had people stonewalling. And the lead stonewaller was Jim Baker. That's right a communist insurrectionist, a traitor. He should be in prison. Truthfully, he should be in prison. And if you listen to Ted Cruz from this week, too, there's, there's Twitter employees that about two seconds ago were saying, look, no, the, gov the government didn't meddle in any of our policies. Look, this is, these are our own standards. You know, we, we heard that the laptop could be Russian disinformation. So we were operating alone. Ted Cruz says the ones who swore to that statement or that statement, uh, a statement like that, they better uh, lawyer up. This is clip seven. And one of the things that's interesting, the fellow you just showed a minute ago, who was the head of safety, so supposedly <laughs> at Twitter, signed an affidavit that was submitted to the Federal Election Commission in which he flat out lied, in which he flat out said, nope, we weren't communicating with the Democrats. We weren't communicating with Biden. We did this on, the, on our own because we thought it was hacked. 
Well, he was convinced that the actual evidence would never become public. He didn't count on Elon Musk buying Twitter and making it public. And I got to tell you, that fellow and everyone who lied under oath, they better be retaining lawyers because they're facing real civil and real criminal jeopardy right now. Wow. Well, and, and, and even Jim Baker, just to return back to him for a moment, how damning must the evidence be if he hangs around, knowing what Musk intended to do, he hangs around to start deleting files? He risks his career to delete files, files that are going to expose collusion, real collusion, not the fake kind from four or five years ago, but actual collusion, a censorship campaign spearheaded by the deep state. This is from American Greatness. I didn't have time to get to this one yesterday. It says, for two years, the constant shouting of childish epithets at anyone who would dare question Joe Biden's legitimacy has suppressed a necessary reckoning with an election that was, in every sense, a complete aberration. It says, the story we have been told again and again that the 2020 election was not only fair but, for, but some miracle of democracy uh, is propaganda pure and simple. This was not a perfect election. You mean to tell me the people, the very same people who covered up the Biden crime family laptop, then a few weeks later said the election was perfect? They're exposed. They're frauds. They're traitors. It says, despite the media's heavy-handed narrative, we do not and never will really know what happened in the early morning hours of November 4, 2020, and those chaotic days that preceded Biden's media coronation. It is disingenuous to dismiss the role of fraud in such an unprecedented scenario, an election with historic turnout that, thanks to the widespread adoption of an unconventional voting method prone to cheating, was not decided until an unusually dilated, shadowy, tabulating process had run its course in a handful of heavily partisan jurisdictions. It says, if an election so strange had gone the other way, we can be sure the left would not be mocking voter fraud theories, but treating them like orthodoxy. Well, we know they, they, uh, Warnock said there was voter suppression in the election he won on Tuesday. Yeah. I forget who the other prominent Democrat was. Yeah, even when they win, they cry voter suppression. They, they cry foul. They say there was cheating. But don't you dare say that you, you uh, cheated if you're a Republican. Don't you dare even look at evidence. It was perfect. That's all that you need to know. It says here, one thing about which we need not deploy conjecture is the role of information warfare. The release of the so-called Twitter files confirms what has been clear for two years. The nation's leading institutions tipped the scales in Biden's favor before a single ballot had been cast. They accomplished this by essentially rigging public opinion. On one hand, malicious partisans in the media, big tech, and the U.S. intelligence community systematically suppressed a major scandal about Biden's foreign influence peddling with the brazen lie that the evidence was Russian disinformation. A brazen lie. 
It says, if the Hunter Biden scandal had not been uh, censored, if the avalanche of the media's lies had been toned down just a little, might Trump have won? We'll never know, but the election was certainly close enough to warrant speculation. What is certain is that the left put their collective thumb on the scale in a way that they would never accept if it were being done to them. You can be sure there would be lots of kicking and screaming if these kinds of tactics were employed against them. Anyone who expects them to care now what they have been caught, that they have been caught, is a fool. Still, the right must not simply forget and move on. Why? Because the left's big lie about the 2020 election legitimizes a lawless counterfeit system. This is why you have to go back. Trump is right. You have to go back and fix, fix the fraud from two years ago or from four weeks ago. Or else you're just legitimizing fraudulent activity. You're legitimizing cheating. It says here, the myth that Biden triumphed against fascists who nearly overthrew our system of government, a classical communist theme, as it happens, has enabled Biden to rule like a tyrant in the name of our democracy. Look at what's happening. They cheat, they steal, they rig, then they get to power and they say, these Trump supporters, they're traitors and we've got to throw them in jail, particularly if they talk about election fraud. This is communism. This is not a, a constitutional republic. They've trashed the Constitution in their pursuit of power. It says further on, the right must never concede the big lie that this nation's oppressors rule legitimately, nor should we draw conclusions about how to move forward from this false premise. See, as Mr. Armstrong used to teach us, the late Herbert Armstrong, he said if it starts with a false basic premise, then everything about it in the end is going to be flawed. It's, it's built on a wrong foundation. So all, all roads have to go back to the election steal and what led up to it. Or else you're never going to get to the bottom of it. You're never going to fix it. That, that's why, as I say, even if it's more from the FBI angle, it still is a pretty significant development to just even see some of the pr prominent conservative talking heads out there ta actually talking about election fraud, actually pointing to 2020 and saying that was illegitimate. Listen again to Tucker from last night, clip six. So this story is about the FBI. It's not about Twitter. Uh, and it's also about Facebook, because we know that the FBI went to Facebook because Mark Zuckerberg told us that in a Joe Rogan interview and said, whoa, be careful of this Hunter Biden laptop. It's Russian. Well, of course, they knew it wasn't because they'd had possession of it since 2019. This is not a complicated story. It's a very simple story. The FBI weighed in in the last presidential election on behalf of Joe Biden, period. And we need to respond to that. We need to respond. I mean, how, how are we going to respond? He, he says it's not complicated. It's actually a very simple story. It, it's very easy to understand this. The FBI rigged the election. They're, they're getting quite good at it. They've been working on it for years now. This was from Rasmussen uh, out of Maricopa County. 71% of likely U.S. voters including 65% of Democrats and 69% of independents, believe it's likely 
it's likely that problems with the, the election in Maricopa County affected the outcome of the U.S. Senate election in Arizona. 64% of Democrats, 65, 65% of Democrats? You think Americans have trust in the election systems all across the country, particularly in these swing states? The feds, they put their thumb on the scale. They certainly did in more ways than one. And then to come out on the other side of the election and say, yeah, everything was perfect. No problems here. A couple of interesting cases uh, working their way up to and possibly through the, the Supreme Court. This is from the Wall Street Journal regarding uh, Moore versus Harper. I think they had an oral arguments hearing yesterday on this case. But it says here, the Supreme Court considers on Wednesday, that, that would be yesterday, whether the Constitution's elections clause means what it says, that the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators uh, and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. Basically, the states are to control their own election. So Sundance had a, had a post earlier this week saying that they're, they're really was very little that the Supreme Court or a federal court can do to fix problems with an election because it's to be monitored and, and, and supervised and, and carried out at the local level or at the state level. And so that's a lot of power for Maricopa County and above them the Arizona legislature, particularly if it's loaded with Republicans who are more uh, rhinos and, and not really conservative and not really constitutionalists. But it says here, the Supreme Court's task in Moore is straightforward. The Elections Clause directs the legislature to regulate congressional elections, which includes drawing district maps. State courts aren't part of the legislative process, and thus the, the North Carolina Supreme Court was obligated to uphold the General Assembly's map. I think what it comes down to is you have those on the left who want to see courts get more control of what's happening, and not these state legislatures. We'll see what the Supreme Court rules, because I say, as I say, that that case is already working its way through. Another one. Uh, well, first, let me just play this from MSNBC as uh, he was talking about this particular case. And, of course, uh, using every scaremongering tactic that he could pull out from the playbook. Clip eight. What if I told you that the single most important case on American democracy and for American democracy in the nation's history is going before the Supreme Court this week? And what if I told you the entire outcome of this case, potentially the fate of our democracy itself, may rest with one justice, Amy Coney Barrett? Because that's what's at stake in the case of Moore v. Harper with oral arguments set for Wednesday. So now Amy Comey, Coney, Comey Barrett, she's, uh, she's going to destroy democracy if she votes the wrong way, according to this guy. There's another case, and we've gotten several emails on this one. It's gotten very little coverage in uh, the media, even, even in conservative media. This comes from the Epoch Times. It's the, the Brunson case, Brunson versus, uh, I forget the, the name on the other, the, the other side of it. But it says the U.S. Supreme Court will decide whether it will take up a case that could overturn the 2020 elections and make representatives who voted to confirm the election ineligible to hold office in the future. And, and basically this case is arguing, and it's not at the Supreme Court yet, I think they have a conference on January 6th, if I'm not mistaken, to, to basically debate as to whether or not to even take up this case. But the, the premise of it 
is that that January 6th proceeding, that constitutionally they were supposed to hear evidence and actually take the suggested 10 days, which would have been before the inauguration, to just make sure that there was no, no fraud. But the fact that so many in Congress and, and the White House just ramrodded on through, again, based upon the false premise that there was an insurrection going on that day. We've got to hurry. This case is arguing that that was unconstitutional and that all of these people that voted to just ramrod it on through, I think 388, that they should be removed from office. It's amazing to me that it's even this far along uh, and this close to getting into the Supreme Court. So we'll follow up with both of those cases, Moore versus Harper and then the Brunson case that I, I think they'll hear about in conference uh, early next year. When we come back, we'll conclude today's uh, show with uh, our Bible study segment. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. Joel Hilliker sent a, a trumpet brief out last night. It was uh, on our 33rd anniversary. I commented on that briefly yesterday on the show. But he reminded us of uh, some pretty exciting history. It's exciting for us, what we lived through, some of us, 33 years ago when Malachi's message uh, first came out, or I guess before that, it was the December 7 firing of my father and John Amos. And then 40 days later, on January 16, Malachi's message begins to hit uh, mailboxes, and people had their eyes opened to the truth about this great falling away happening in the church this great rebellion, Mr. Hilliker says in the trumpet brief, how much do you value truth? It says enough to take courage and, and make a stand. Is it a, a he says, it's a crucial question in an age where truth is so little valued 
and so under assault. We really do have to love the truth. I mean, fundamentally, this was the, the main problem with the Laodiceans. God sent strong delusion to see how much they love the truth, how much they'd stand up for the truth, how much they'd fight for the truth. And we spend a lot of time on this program talking about this very subject. You can see why. Look at the world we're living in. Mr. Hilliker says here, we're in a time when truth is being cast to the ground. We touched on this yesterday as well. When powerful people are bullying and silencing others for speaking facts and truth, Many are upset, of course, but one way or another, most people are simply going along. We're, we're just simply told to go along. Just go along. Okay, there was a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a cover-up, but, uh, you know, Trump's had his chance. Trump had his chance to unite. He's not, now he's dividing. And look, we're here to unite everyone together. Somebody else needs an opportunity to, uh, to come in there, say the people who destroyed his chance to be reelected and tried to destroy his presidency and almost did. Two impeachment hearings over nothing. You can be sure. He, he won't go away, as I've said this week. That's why they want him in prison. I mean, this is some kind of satanic attack. America's under attack, as you well know. Casting to truth to the ground, it says here, we're swimming in lies, all of them practically universally pushed by the major media, by Democrats, and even by so many Republicans. And these people work together to silence and punish alternate, alternative views, regardless of the truth. It's the uniparty. They're all in it. They're, they're all compromised. They're all on the take from the communist Chinese and others, or at least many of them are, but none of them will fight for the truth. It's refreshing, as I said in the first segment, at least to see some now talking about an illegitimate election, even if it's for reasons other than what we've covered on this program for the past two years. Notice 2 Thessalonians 2. God says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. They're an abomination, it says, but they, they that deal truly are his delight. God really delights in those who deal in truth. But he sees lying lips as an abomination. I saw it was kind of humorous because they're never called out, really. It was some reporter following after Adam Schiff saying, you know, what does it feel like to be exposed as a liar? What's, what's going to happen when you're, uh, when you're guilty of treason? Are you ready for this? I mean, in another, in another world, that, that would play out. The, the federal marshals would show up and say, you're under arrest. You're guilty. You're guilty of treason. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 1 it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. There were letters circulating in Paul's day that uh, the authors were fraudulently producing. They were producing them under Paul's name. They were fake. Fake letters, fake instruction. 
And Paul says, look, I want to set you straight here. I want to give you the truth. There's lots of lies circulating. Letters as from us, dissident material, dissident literature, dissident letters or epistles. Verse 3, it says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. The falling away, the great rebellion, has to happen first, and it happens inside the church. And as I was saying yesterday, I mean, there's, there's so many stunning parallels between that great rebellion from the 1990s and the great rebellion that we're seeing in our nations today. The lawlessness, the corruption from the very top, much of it. Of course, the sickness goes from head to toe, as Isaiah prophesied. But still, I mean, to see what some of these deep state bureaucrats are getting away with, and to see how they move from one agency to the next agency over here, and then over to Twitter, and then into the news media. They're, they're all the same. They all think the same way. They all hate America. They're all trying to bring down the system to destroy our institutions, to destroy our founding documents, to destroy the First Amendment, to destroy the Second Amendment. A legacy of destruction. We saw that in the 90s. It says in verse 4, Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This, this shouldn't come as a surprise. Read 2 Corinthians 11. It's about the devil who comes as an angel of light. And uh, he's got his ministers, he's got his false apostles, he's got his false gospel. He sets up counterfeit systems, counterfeits to God's true church, counterfeits to the truth. Satan's been doing this since the beginning of time. So Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11, you know, don't marvel at this, that these ministers would come, these false ministers would come as angels of light because that's the way the devil comes. He sounds so righteous. You listen to Adam Schiff or whoever else in those committees as they lie through their teeth and they sound, I mean, it sounds convincing. Schiff even said, we've got the goods. He's guilty of Russia collusion. He's colluded with Vladimir Putin. We have the evidence. And then we come to later find out there's no evidence. How about that? How does that happen? How could anyone, how could anyone stoop that low? It happens all the time, doesn't it? We're just swimming in lies and deceit. Down in verse 9, it says, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. You see, there's a powerful, powerful force behind this avalanche of deception and lies. That's the devil. Verse 10 says, And with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that are perishing, it should read, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. It's not enough to receive the truth. We have to love it. We have to embrace it. We have to defend it. We have to fight for it. I've talked this week about going on offense. 
taking the battle to our adversary, taking, our, taking the fight to our opponent, spiritually speaking, taking the truth of God and using it, using it. Verse 11, it says, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. For this cause. For what cause? The fact that they didn't love the truth. And so God sends strong delusion. And so many people have just believed the lie. They've swallowed the lie. There's a, a section. It's uh, Appendix A right at the end of this book. It's on this, this man of sin prophecy in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'll just read a little bit from that appendix. Again, the 800 number, if you don't have your own copy, it's one 3024 But my father writes here, what happened in God's church shows you something of a blueprint for what Satan began to do in these nations. This is why that church history is so relevant and important for you to grasp. And again, Mr. Hilliker touched on this last night in his trumpet brief. He says, the book you are reading, that would be America Under Attack, the book you are reading exposes the devil. We saw firsthand what he did to the church. Now we're watching him unleash the same kind of destruction on our nations. The difference is the destruction in God's church was on a spiritual level, and the three nations are being destroyed physically. Three nations, that would be that would be Manasseh, Ephraim, and Judah. And as I was saying even at Forum this morning to the students, I mean, the, the, the anti-Semitism in the world today, the anti-Americanism, the anti-colonialism, you know, anti-Britain, basically, that the spirit behind that is so strong. And it's just so easy to capitulate and to go along with the mob as they go about their... Their, uh, their methods of destruction. It says here, the book you're reading exposes the devil. Well, I read that. We saw the destruction. Now it's happening in our nations. It says the difference, um, this will lead to these nations being conquered by a Satan-possessed leader. And then finally, these scriptures reveal one of the defining spiritual truths of our world today. They explain why America is rapidly being transformed into a different nation. What invaluable insight biblical prophecy and prophetic duality give to us. These scriptures, like here in 2 Thessalonians 2, Isaiah 59, just gives us valuable insight into the way the devil operates into what's happening to our nations, what's happening to the whole world. Notice 2 Timothy 3, verse 5, the first four verses basically describes our world today perfectly. And then verse 5, it says, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, it says, from such turn away. You look at the many institutions, religious or otherwise, in this world today, and there's a form of godliness. I mean, it seems so righteous. Look, we're just trying to help the nation. We're just trying to help voters. We're just trying to ensure that the process is honest and fair and transparent. And they talk about transparency. They talk often about truth. It has a form of godliness. And what does God say? It denies his power, and so turn away from it. We're not submitted to our God. We're not submitted to his authority. You can see it in our actions. You can see it in the fruits. God says to judge by fruits. 
You see destruction. You see misery. You see death. You see depression and discouragement. I got into this in my other class this morning. All of this, this mental illness all over the world, particularly in the Western nations. I mean, Freud's reasoning, Sigmund Freud, his reasonings, his conclusions from back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, that they were supposed to fix all of the mental disorders. As it is, there's been an explosion of mental disorder and disease. Look at the streets of San Francisco or Philadelphia. It's, it's, it's just a perfect little example of what man has done for 6,000 years. Freud comes along, I mean, he's worshipped. He's worshipped, oh, he created the, the psychology field. Yeah, just sexual freedom, that's the panacea to all of these mental disorders, these, these mental disquiets. And it ends up making matters worse. It's, it's like we solve problems today, be it COVID or otherwise. They're all of man's solutions. Have you noticed this? It just makes matters worse. And yet the pride and the vanity that we have, so certain that we're right, God's going to have to humble us to get us where we'll even sit down and listen to him and stop denying his power and carrying on with our form of godliness when it's anything but godly. Verse 7, it says, Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. All of this knowledge, all of this supposed progress, all of these technological advancements, and yet we're getting farther and farther away from the truth. This is the great paradox that Herbert Armstrong spoke of all through his ministry. You have progress on the one hand, and on the other side, you've got all of this evil multiplying all around us. Missing dimension in sex addresses that mystery of the ages as well. Again, the 800 number, just quickly here, 1-866-930-3024. That's all that we have time for today, unfortunately. You're listening to Stephen Flurry. This is the Trumpet Daily. We thank you for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>